Saturdays with Jenny on Kaya 959. So we're continuing the Sunday Times Fiction shortlist and Mark Winkler joins us on the line from Cape Town. And uh, Mark, thanks very much indeed for joining us. I have to say that you've been on the Sunday Times Fiction shortlist at least twice before. Yes, that's true. As I say, always a bridesmaid. Well, always a bridesmaid, but due south for Copenhagen, maybe this is the year where it does it for you, because you were one of those authors whose book came out in the middle of the lockdown, and you must have almost despaired. Well, I did it. The, the publication date was the 1st of April last year, so oh. it was literally three or four days after lockdown began. Yeah, and you know the book the the bookshops were closed and whatever. I and mean, my heart actually went out to every single writer, many of whom were my friends. And all those years you spend writing something, and you just can't get the publicity, and therefore the book will die. You know. So congratulations to you on getting onto the fiction shortlist. Tell us a little bit about the story. It's set not in the in the Cape where your other books have been have been set. It starts off in the low felt, and it is. I think it's pre isn't it when it starts um it starts in a in a small town in Pumalanga suspiciously similar to the one I grew up in really in present day where uh the main guy Maximilian Fritz finds a couple of items that spark off memories from long ago during his last day as a, as a newspaper editor uh, of the of small town newspaper and the, the three story threads are well the first is sparked by Max finding an ancient photograph of himself. Max is now in his, in his 50s. And the photograph is of him as a 19-year-old conscript doing rude things to, to a big machine gun on a gunboat that's sailing down the Zambezi. And this brings back memories of, of his years of conscription, looked at through the lens of a, of a, of a much more mature, much more experienced um, adult. And this, this dovetails with the second story thread, which is sparked by the discovery of an old empty box, little box that used to once contain a Swiss army knife that was his pride and joy when he was 12 years old. And um, wrapped up in this the knife memory is recollections of his childhood friendship with a Danish immigrant uh, called Karl Udengard, mm. who's the son of, an, of a very wealthy immigrant family, very privileged. And then there's the third story Thread, of course, is Max in his present day trying to make sense of past, present, and his future as he as he packs up his office, coloured by the, the memories that are that are sparked by the discovery of these items. He also has on his desk a recently received letter from um, Denmark, from Copenhagen, informing him of um, the suicide, the recent suicide of his old childhood friend Carl. And then, as a, as as the stories unravel and intertwine, because thematically the army thread and the, the the childhood friendship thread kind of circle around this violence this kind of sometimes overt sometimes implied violence that really drives the novel and i think is very much a, a south african theme you know this kind of underlying violence that we have in our daily lives eusebius mckaiser made a quite an interesting comment on the on the film Morphe, where he says it's amazing how I'm paraphrasing now, it's amazing how apartheid damaged youth of every colour and mm. every hue in its own specific ways. You know, and for generations of white men the the, the conscription years were exceptionally damaging and had long term effects. And in my research, because I looked at quite a lot of contemporary stuff about the veterans of, of the border war mm. and how they are how their trauma was never dealt with. You know, it's called the Forgotten War for a good reason. Mm. And, you know, as, as things transitioned in 1994, 
their trauma and um, the terrible experience they had and the history itself was just more or less swept under the carpet, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was a difficult time because, you know, as a lot of, and I, I was a conscript myself, like, like Max, I was in the Marines. And it takes maturity and growth to understand exactly how complicit we were in this dreadful machine and how powerful the apartheid government was not only to have enforced um, conscription, but how the, the, what is then called the South African Defense Force was just one of the, the arms of control, you know, along with church and school and family and community and how everything in the, in the white world back then was geared to support this apartheid thing, you know, and we all walked away, I suppose, a little like German citizens after the Second World War said, but we didn't know. And Max realizes, but of course we did. You know, of course we knew. Every time he walked past a bench that said whites only on it, we knew, you know. But such was the control of the government that very few of us actually had the the NAS, had the the courage to do anything about it. And then the, the, the Udengard story is a story of a family of white privilege and a terrible tragedy happens within that family that abruptly ends the, the, the friendship with Carl and Max. And this tragedy, without giving away any spoilers, dovetails with an event that Max experienced on the border and how uh, his privilege, which he didn't even realize he had as a white guy, got him off the hook, him and his buddies off the hook for this thing, while the, the Udengard family was kind of exonerated for what had happened in their lives, you know, five or ten years before that. So, yes, due south of Copenhagen, people have asked me about that title. The title is really because I guess South Africa is more or less due south of Copenhagen. And there's the the, the, the Danish connection, which mm. kind of resolves itself at the end. I have to say, I mean, it sounds very powerful. It sounds complex. I know that that part of the world was famous for being right wing and possibly still is. I don't know. And I can remember on shows of grown up men phoning and weeping. They had been on the border and nobody had helped them. And they lived with their demons and took it out on their families and whatever, suffering from severe postnatal, uh, you know, not postnatal stress. Um, no, not post- <laughs> no, indeed. But you know exactly what I'm what I'm talking about. They could not get rid of their demons and it coloured their lives and the lives of their families for the rest of their lives, basically. And, you know, it's... The first traumatic thing was kind of underlined by this terrible sense of betrayal where they'd been brainwashed into believing what they were doing. I'm generalising, of course, but they were brain, brainwashed into believing that what they, were, what they had been up to was valid and moral and all those things. And then suddenly there was this elegant, tall black man in a suit saying that whiteies you'll be fine you know you'll be okay mm. which left these people with this horrible sense of betrayal like why why, why had we been through this why have we watched our our friends being killed why have we returned home maimed and damaged if you know what i mean so that the the post-traumatic stress was was exacerbated by that terrible sense of betrayal and just being dropped really mark i would love to sit with you and do a long interview and i will have read the book thoroughly by then so thank you very much indeed for getting up early if you did and let me give all of you the details of the book and it's due south of copenhagen it's by mark winkler it's published by umuzi saturdays with jenny every saturday from 9 to 11 a.m on kaya 959